This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by UBCP ACTRA, a.k.a. the Union of British Columbia Performers. UBCP is an autonomous branch of the Alliance of Canadian Cinema, Television, and Radio Artists, the national organization of professional performers working in the English language recorded media in Canada. For more information about UBCP ACTRA, visit ubcpactra.ca. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart of the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. I'm Sabrina Ronnie Firminger. Today, I am delighted to welcome Patrick Keating to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Patrick is the creative force behind Inside Out, a prison memoir, a theatrical performance film in which Patrick shares his real-life story of years spent in and out of Canada's penitentiary system. It's a story about a man's search for community, the community of the street, the community of prison, and the community of theater. It's also part of a larger endless story about incarceration in Canada, a story that most Canadians don't deign to think about until it impacts them directly. Inside Out, a prison memoir was created for a virtual screening tour of prisons and correctional facilities across Canada in 2021. It also screened at the Edinburgh Fringe and Adelaide Fringe Festivals and was awarded Best Inspirational Film by the Washington Film Awards earlier this year. And this month, it will screen in Vancouver at the Heart of the City Festival. Patrick is an actor and storyteller with a BA in theater studies. Over the course of his career, he's performed in more than 40 stage productions and close to 60 television and film productions, including Virgin River, The Flash, Resident Alien, and The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. After screening his film, I imagine that he's also somewhat defined by his time in Canada's prison system. As Patrick says in the film, Not a day goes by when that shit doesn't bounce back at me. The sights, the sounds, the smells, the faces, ghosts. It's all there, all wired in. So today, we'll talk about those ghosts and why it's important to talk about our prison system. Patrick Keating, welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Uh, Thank you for having me. Now, how do you characterize your relationship now with the Canadian prison system? Um, uh, I call myself formerly incarcerated. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, a lot of people use the monikers, you know, uh, inmate or offender. And, and generally, for the most part, people inside, they, you know, they don't really mind that and some wear it like a badge uh, yeah. of honor. Um, but really, no matter how you slice it, everybody is the only way to really um, um, distinguish people is it they're incarcerated or they're formerly incarcerated. 
Right. And so that's what I try and that's what I try and say. And that's uh, what I hope other people will, you know, take on. Because the language is important. So let's talk about Inside Out, a prison memoir. How did this come to be? Um, you know, when I when I got out um, uh, from my last sentence, I ended up going back to school and, and getting, a, a, as you said, a BA at Simon Fraser University in the theater department. And it was a totally new community. And I made a conscious effort to try and... Um, several relations with people that I grew up with, people that I knew, people that I um, committed crimes with, that uh, group that I, um, that I was involved in. And I was really reluctant to let people know in the new community that I had found in theater and, and film about my past, um, because there is so much stigma that's attached to mm. someone who is formerly incarcerated. I was worried that if people found out I'd be ostracized or they would think of that instead of looking at me as a person. Mm. And so it took me a really long time. I mean, I always thought because I was in theater, I always thought of, um, you know, of, of writing something about my experiences, but inevitably it came back to, no, I don't want to, I, I was worried about the the stigma that it would that it would put on me. But many years later, I started working with a group um, of young men, and uh, we did a few plays together. And we would go out at night, you know, and have a beer or whatever, and we would talk. And up to then, I would really censor myself if people would talk about their past, or you know, they would say some story about high school or in university and I go, yeah, I remember. Yeah, never mind. Hmm. <laughs> because it was, it, I, would inev- I would go to those stories, right? About right. my life inside. Um, but with them, for some reason, I didn't censor myself. And I started telling stories. And they were like, you've got to write this stuff down. You, you have to, it's so you know fascinating. You don't, most people don't get to hear that about that life. There's so many myths that are uh, surrounding it. Um, you, the only time anybody really hears of it is in newspapers or um, they're using it for their political advantage or um, uh, TV or, or film, right? And sometimes the TV and film, you know, they take very small sections of it and blow it up to be, you know, this incredibly violent, horrible um, situation. But everybody inside, is they're just human beings, right? Everybody inside is somebody's father or somebody's brother or somebody's uncle, somebody's son, you know? And a lot of times people forget that until mm-hmm. it's their son or their father or their brother. Um, and so when I was talking with these guys and they said, okay, look, well, let's, let's put a fundraiser together. You write down some stories and, you know, it'll just be really easy, really loose. And we'll invite some people. It'll make us a little bit money for the the next theater thing. And it'll give you a deadline to write something down. And so I did. 
and it was at Little Mountain Gallery. It was a mm -hmm. small little venue uh, that's unfortunately it's not around anymore. Mm. But yeah, but um, we crammed about seventy people into there, and and I got the feedback I got was incredible. I was blown away by it. A lot of people that I admired as playwrights and writers said, "You got you have to continue with this. This is good." And so I applied to the Canada Council and got a, a, a small grant. And with the help of Stephen Malloy, um, a director and dramaturg, we sat down and it took us about a year or so to put together something that we were comfortable with. And then I started uh, touring it around. Hmm. Yeah. You spoke about the myths, the myths hmm. that exist in the larger society about life in prison and incarcerated people themselves. What do you wish people on the outside knew about life inside? That, that everybody gets out. Almost everybody gets out. And when they do, it's a lot better to have people educated and thinking about other paths in life than just waiting to get back to what they knew. Hmm. And if, if they don't find another path, we, they will go back there because that's what they know. That's their friends, their brothers, their, you know, their community. You know, a lot of young men, myself included, when I was, you know, a teenager, I was looking for a community. You know, some people find community in sports where they, you know, get on a team and they uh, uh, grow up together and they become really good friends. Other people, you know, join the Hells Angels. I mean, it's, they're both communities. And the community that they're looking for, it's the same thing. They're looking for a group where they feel comfortable, a group where people um, uh, get their, you know, get them that, um, yeah, that people will have their back if something mm -hmm. happens, that they can go to them when they're in, you know, distress or they're in trouble, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And people are always searching for community. And so that's sort of what I did. And that's what really attracted me to theater. At the time when I was inside, there was a uni university courses given. Um, that doesn't happen anymore. Um, but when I was there, there was in Quebec, there was CIGEPS, which is like a pre-university. And, uh, out here in Matsqui, there was at first University of Victoria, and then Simon Fraser, uh, took up the, uh, the mantle and they brought in, you know, they would, uh, search for people that were willing to come in and teach, and they would find about maybe six people each semester and they would give us a choice and we would be able to pick four and you know they were really varied i mean from economics to social anthropology to theater hmm. and when theater came i didn't know theater i'd never been to a play nothing like that right so i thought well we're going to be reading plays all 
you know, learn about it a little bit, it'll, it'll be interesting. And a lot of the people there wanted it. And I had just got to Masque. I was only there for about a year or so when all this was going on. And so they said, look, we should, we should all get theater. So everybody, we want them to apply. So I said, okay, well, I'll check that box. And when the guy came in, I found out that yes, they wanted to do a production, you know, a full blown production. And this was a ongoing thing. Every year they would do a production. I didn't, I didn't know this. right? <laughs> and I thought, Oh man, I don't know. Like it's when you're inside, you wear masks, right? You, you have to put on the, the tough, right? The, uh, yeah, the tough mask, right? You have to show that you're not weak, that you, you don't get emotional emotions, you, you hide them, right? So everything is, um, if there's only the only emotion really is, you know, anger or rage, right? Mm. Um, and when he came in, he started talking about, yes, this is the production I want to do. And it's I'm going to teach you about clowning, right? And it was like, excuse me? <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think so. Right? I, so I was really, really reluctant to, you know, to jump into this. But there was a couple of people that were in the class and they had, you know, some, I wouldn't say power, but they had some um, good reputation, you know, in the, uh, in, you know, in the prison. And so... I thought, well, if they can do it, you know, it won't be too bad, right? So I'll, I'll do it. So I, I joined in, right, eventually. And at, when we did it, the audience that came up was from the community. And some of the people that came up were from a theater company in Vancouver. And they mm. came and they saw the, the production. And then they asked if they could reciprocate by bringing up a production that they were doing at the time. And so they, they brought up this play. It was a one person uh, play called Happy Days by Samuel Beckett. Oh. Yeah. And so the first act, the woman, it's a one woman show. She is up to her waist in sand. And her day begins and ends with the sound of a bell. And the second act, she is up to her neck in sand. And her day begins and ends with the sound of a bell. And I was watching this and thinking, that's my life. I'm just stuck here. Wow. So it was all these things were happening. I thought I, I have to learn more about this, yeah. this thing, this craft. And the um, designers that were there because we helped them, you know, take down the set and all that. They said, listen, if you want to push in the right direction, when you get out, give us a call. So I did about six months after I got out, I phoned them and they, you know, welcomed me in. I went to their rehearsal space and I just started hanging around. And they invited me downstairs to the where they were rehearsing a play. And, you know, and I just watched and I, I was so intrigued with this. I just became a sponge. I started, you know, soaking up everything I could. They had boxes of plays that people would submit to them. And I, I read, you know, as many as I could. It was just, it was quite an experience. And and then after I, I, I thought, well, I'll go back to school, right? I'll go back and I'll get a formal education. And, and so I did. And I started um, with a career in theater and film. Yeah. 
are you grateful to the prison system at all? Like for, because I, I would imagine that the road to acting in theater, I mean, your life might not have led to acting in theater were it not for the prison system, you know? And so I just wonder if there's, if there's any part of your relationship with that aspect of your past and, and, you're present, you know, that, that has like, I'm, Oh, I'm glad that happened because at least, you know, I'm in the, I'm doing, I found my passion. I'm doing work that I love. Yeah. I'm, I'm very grateful for the programs that they put together there with the, with the universities and the universities yeah. really fought to stay and to, but unfortunately, I mean, it's a very, it's a very easy thing uh, politically to cut programs like that mm. right because if somebody comes to them and says look what does my son have to do to get a university education rob the bank mm. these people are getting their education you know my son i can't he can't afford it so you know so it was easy to go okay well we we can't have that it's not right and I, and I sort of understand that, but at the same time, going back to my almost my first um, uh, sentence was everybody gets out, mm. you know, and they need um, they need mentors, they need people that will, you know, because it could be anything, you know, it doesn't have to be a university education, it could be uh, welding, it could be anything as long as the people that are teaching are passionate about what they do that will automatically rub off on the people that they're teaching right and if anybody is interested in that and teachers love to teach and good teachers are you know quite hard to find but they're but they're out there you know and yeah and they do become mentors right yeah i mean a lot of the teachers that i that I met, I still know today, the ones that are still around, right? Hmm. And still in contact with them and yeah. Now the film had a virtual screening tour of correctional facilities last year. Yeah. What feedback did you receive from incarcerated people, if any, uh, about the film? Yeah. Well, it was, it, it was quite interesting. You know, I remember talking to this one group that was um, at a, correctional center, uh, provincial correctional center, actually, in, uh, in British Columbia. And it was, it was quite good that the, the woman that, um, that championed it uh, was an assistant warden, and she took it on, she heard about it, you know, and I had contacted a lot of the um, carceral institutions. And so they, uh, some contacted me, some didn't, she did. And because of COVID, it was very hard. Um, because uh, people were um, uh, people couldn't be in large groups, so they were put into seven people cohorts. So only seven people at a time could watch the film, and so she brought them into her office, put it on a computer, and they watched it on the computer, right. And then after I would come on um, Zoom and and talk to them, and it it was really interesting questions because they you know they talked about a lot of things, but a, a lot of them came to the files and to the um, 
to like how I got into it and um, and they really started thinking about when I talk about um, you know this is a cycle and this is um, you know th that's our life if mm. we choose to be in this life when we inevitably we're going to be going to jail and so it's back and forth in and out in and out and that's what struck a lot of them that's what um they were interested in and they thought okay well if yeah it's to find a different path and you know how do we do that i mean we're we're who we are we have our reputation we have our you know and so you have to talk and say that is that reputation worth the rest of your life going in and out of prison? Mm. You know, at some point you have to say, okay, look, I want to, I want to, I want to put a, uh, I want to close this book, you know, and yeah. I want to open it. I want to start a new chapter. I want to start a new book and um, my life can be different because it can, you know, but you have to put in the work. Yeah. yeah. What differences do you see between how incarcerated people react to the film and how it's received by people on the outside? Um, it, I remember t taking it into, uh, when I was on tour, I went into a couple of uh, institutions and um, presented it and performed it. When I was in Victoria, I was doing a festival called the UNO Festival. It's a festival for one person shows and while i was there somebody contacted me and said did you want to go into the penitentiary at william head right and so i said yeah sure I, i'd like that right and that was the first time that i had been back to uh, to an institution wow and i didn't really think of it automatically i went yeah that'd be great i would love to do that right and we got in the car and we drove and we went into the parking lot and i got out and I looked at the fence and the razor wire and I went, Oh, I don't know about this. <laughs> right? I, mm. I don't know if I want to go in there again. Right. But I, you know, okay. Yeah. I'm going to be leaving. I'm going to be leaving. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Oh so I, I went in and I performed um, a piece and you could hear, you know, this, the audiences inside are very respectful, right? They're, they don't go to a lot of entertainment, a lot of, you know, presentations, you know, you could hear a little like twittering or because of the recognition of things that I was saying, or, you know, little like um, phrases that I would say that were known, you know, from the sort of prison speak. Right. <clears throat> and there was this one gentleman that was sitting in the front row <clears throat> and he was, rather large man. He had his arms crossed and he was just staring at me, bald head, right? And I thought, this guy's not enjoying this at all, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going on and that's what you do, right? So I finished the performance and he was the first one up, came over to me, he stuck his hand out and his hands, like my hand felt like a little baby hand. <laughs> <laughs> it was so, so large, right? And he started talking and he, and he stopped and his eyes started to well up and he started hitting his bottom lip. And he said, you know, I could never find the words, 
I was always trying to tell my family what it's like in here. I could never find the words. You found them. You have to keep doing this. Oh, Patrick. Wow. So to me, that was like a, not really a justification to continue, but uh, yes, this is, this is right. Because I didn't know what people would think of it from inside. I thought that, you know, maybe they'd go, ah, that's nothing. You know, you should hear my story. Mm. And that's basically why I wanted the film to go into institutions so that Mm. people do say, now I got a story because there's very little, people don't get to tell their stories inside. Mm. They're either written in a file or written in transcripts or in newspapers. It's very rare that somebody can really tell their truth, you know, about Mm. where they came from, things, adversities that they went through and not to relinquish responsibility for why they're there, but to let people know this is the path that led me to this place, you know, and, Mm. and so we can start thinking about, because people don't, people that are quote unquote bad, right? Don't fall from the sky, right? Mm. They're not aliens. They're brought up in communities. And it's the community that nurtures or doesn't nurture the people that are in their community. Mm. And yeah. And, and so it's, it, it really is um, trying to think about, okay, so what, are there a lot of people that have taken the same path and what can we do to try and um, break that path up so that there's different roads that they can take, you know, Mm. that there is um, different communities that they can join in on or, you know, be a part of. The way that the theater community welcomes you in and gave you new community yeah. to be part and of. hopefully yeah. it would start when uh people were quite young and so they never got to a point of you know even um trying to be curious about different things right yeah. i mean the curiosity will always be there but you don't always act on it right mm. a lot of people don't some do How do you think your time in the prison system impacts your work as an actor? Um, It helps me in the way that I've, uh, I've seen a lot. I've observed a lot. Mm. And because I'm, that's my nature. I'm more an observer than someone who is like a leader or a, right. And I, I watch a lot. And um, so I've learned people's behavior. I've learned how to, um, you know, what type of people do react in what way. And so in that way, it, it helped. And it, it gave me empathy, right? Mm-hmm. And acting actually gave me empathy because when you're, um, rehearsing or you're uh, doing research on a character, 
even if the person is like a, I don't know, a, a bank manager that is foreclosing on somebody's house or it's not because they enjoy the thing of foreclosing or getting evicting people out of a home. It's I think because they are, that's their job. Um, they have learned that no, there's responsibility that you take and you've signed a contract and you didn't hold up to that contract. And so it's, you know, in, instead of me automatically judging people, I take a step back and think, oh, okay, this, maybe this person is just having a bad day. Mm. You know, they, they may be acting, you know, aggressive or just being an asshole. Right. And, but you think, oh, well, no, I've got a, I don't know what they went through this morning, mm. you know? So I tend to take a step back and not um, be so quick as I used to at uh, a reaction. Yeah. yeah. Staying in our industry for a moment, I I often see the connection between how d different communities are portrayed on screen and then how they are treated by others in real life. And I'm assuming the same holds true for, you know, uh, incarcerated people and and the prison system. You know, so how well is the industry doing in portraying incarcerated people? And, you know, and if there are inaccurate depictions, what damage do those depictions do? Um, the damage that it does is it makes people think that everybody that is inside is some sort of a beast mm. that is some sort of a, you know, they can't help it, but they're aggressive. They're, you know, um, and that's n not the case. Yeah. Right. Yes, there is, there is people that are aggressive as there is people in the community that are aggressive. Um, it's, it's quite similar actually from, you know, everyday life. I mean, there, it's all types of people that are in there, mm -hmm. you know, from, uh, you know, people that are extremely aggressive and you think, you know, I, okay, I'm going to avoid this person because I know what the possibilities could be. Mm. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's basically, it's basically that, that it makes it, out to be and the people that are in it out to be um the other right and uh and when it gets to that point and everybody thinks of the other it's easy um to think anything of them right and uh when politicians use you know um crime and punishment or uh, you know policing as a um as a pillar of their you know, uh, their uh, ambitions, it's, you know, it's a little disingenuous because they're not stupid people. They, they, mm. they know the reality, they really do, but they can twist things in order to, you know, um, in order to get votes. Right. right. I mean, everybody like, <clears throat> people think, oh, they've got a life sentence and they're, oh, they're going to be out and when they say 10 or 15 years, well, they're going to be out in 10, 15 years, not life. No, it, it's life. 
Right. It's, it's life. They, they could stay in for the rest of their lives unless they change. And mm. the parole board sees that they're changing and then they, okay, but it's very, very rare that somebody that has, <clears throat> you know, 20 years before parole, that they can, uh, 20 years before they can apply for parole, right? Um, that people get out on, in 20 years, that's almost impossible. Most mm. will do 30, 35, and then they'll get uh, released slowly. Mm. And for the rest of their lives, they're under a, a cloud. So they have to report once a month. They have to, you know, see different, go to different um, uh, watchers, right? right? Their parole officer, their uh, classification, their, yeah, the mental health, whatever their parole um, says that they have to do. You mentioned that at the beginning of your time in the theater world, mm -hmm. um, you, you didn't share stories uh about your time in in the prison system um this and or d didn't disclose your classification um what about now like like how how do you feel uh sharing your your story now and how do your fellow like when you're working on on a set you know like how, how do cast and crew react you know when they learn about your your history um, some don't i mean it's I don't, um, you know, uh, I don't say it just out there. If somebody asks me, I don't hide it anymore. If somebody asks me, then yes, I'll. And it's very easy. If they do a background check, all they have to do is Google my name and mm. bang, this is the first thing that comes up inside out. So it's, you know, it's quite, um, it's there to be yeah. seen. And, and it, it's interesting. I mean, I've gotten... A few different reactions. Um, I remember going on to one one set, and all the producers came out, and they were like going to shake my hand, and they were like, "Oh, we're so honored to be in." And I was like, well, "What's going on? Who are these people?" <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't happen, right? You you know, I'm a day player, right? I'm not a lead, or a, you know. I, I get one or two days. And so I, I usually go say my lines and go home, right? That's mm -hmm. what I do. But yeah, this is, this was very different, right? Wow. So, so obviously they knew and they were, you know, they had told everybody. So all, everybody was all, oh. yeah, <laughs> it was just weird. It was weird. But it was, I mean, it, to me, it was, it was weird, but at the same time, I thought, oh, well, I guess good for them. They they weren't, you know, they weren't, I mean, they were judging me in a way, but yeah. it wasn't a negative, right. you know, so, yeah. How has sharing your story in this way and, and you know, creating this project impacted how you see your time in the prison system, you know, if it's impacted at all? Um, I mean, I... I mean, I don't regret or anything that uh, any of the time that I've done. Um, I regret things that I did to get there. Mm -hmm. But um, but to 
all the all the things that I went through, all the people that I met, I, I take that as it's um, it was an honor to meet them. You mm-hmm. know, it was a um, yeah, it it impacted me in the way that I see the world a bit differently, and I'm able to hopefully um, help in some little way by passing on the knowledge that I do have. And um, yeah, and maybe helping people to find another path or to, to write something, to start down a path of creativity. Mm. You know, I mean, a lot of people aren't, aren't good at speaking, right? Um, but they can get their emotions and their thoughts out in other ways, either by writing or by visual arts or, you know, filmmaking, whatever it is, but it's, they'll be able to share their voice in some way, Mm. you know, if they, uh, because there's a lot of really creative people inside, you know, uh, what I did find was the sense of humor that a lot of people had in there. A lot of it, of course, was very dark, right? Mm-hmm. They called gallows humor or whatever, right? But um, yeah, a lot of people in there were very, very witty. Like it was very quick stuff. Um, and to have somebody go in to teach them, I don't know, stand-up comedy writing, to try and take that in some way and nurture it, that they can use that to tell their story, right? Mm. Um, yeah, it's just little things like that, right? Yeah. To be able to get people. I did a um, the an association of forensic psychologists this uh, summer asked me to uh, speak at their conference. Wow! And so, yeah. <laughs> That's what I said. I, I didn't know. I don't know anything about forensic psychiatry. Right? Well, I would think that they that you would think that they would be listening to you and like assessing you in some way. You know, like- yeah. It's like, well, should I have a coach up there? And yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So I went up and I just, you know, spoke about. I did a couple of little scenes from my piece, and then I talked about what I've done since I've left prison and, and the history of arts in prison, like Samuel Beckett bringing Waiting for Godot to San Quentin, you know, where a lot of, when he was first premiering it in New York and Paris and all these, nobody understood it, mm. right? Really, there was a lot of reviews about what is this? We did. But when he went to San Quentin, the inmates automatically knew what that was, mm. right? They knew what, those two tramps were going through, right? Waiting for something, just waiting, right? Mm. And all the books that have been written, you know, in the belly of the beast and um, uh, in Canada, um, Jack Rabbit Parole, Stephen, Stephen Reed, um, there was uh, Roger Caron. There was been quite a bit of, um, of creativity, but it all in very small, parcels mm-hmm. you know yeah and i've always felt that you know the the one place is william head institution there is a, a theater company there that they've had since 
I guess, um, since the 90s, right? Fantastic. Yeah, and they've been doing that production sort of every year-ish. Yeah. But there's not a lot, like, throughout Canada. Uh, Yeah. Well, hopefully this will spark even more. Yeah. And even the technology, you know, to use the technology to the benefit. Um, You know, I was working or talking with this group out of uh, the University of New Mexico. And what they have, it's called Project Echo, and it's about um, disseminating medical information. Hmm. Because when you're inside and there's, you know, people with HIV, people with hepatitis C, a lot of people don't know how you get those diseases Hmm. and or viruses rather. And so if somebody comes and it's known that they're HIV positive and they sit beside somebody and he doesn't know how you get, you know, get away from me, right? right. I don't want to get your, so it can be dangerous, right? And so what uh, Project Echo does is they get about 10 people per prison and they uh, are used as peers. And so they, the university uh, disseminates the information through them. And so the population knows that they can go to these people and they will give you the right information about um, certain diseases and other things, uh, you know, possible education uh, opportunities, things like that. And I remember they invited me to talk, right? And so I, on Zoom, and they had a whole network set up where up to 12 prisons can be shown at once Hmm. and they can, you know, and you can speak to all the, uh, you know, the incarcerated and, and they can talk back to you and they're in little rooms and it's, it's quite amazing in Canada. There's nothing like that. There's nothing you can't um, because they're worried about their firewall. Right. So, no, we Mm. can't have inmate. We can't put computers and inmates together. That doesn't work. Mm. But University of New Mexico has figured out a way that it's separate from the prisons, um, you know, system. Yeah. So that it's, you know, you can't do anything nefarious. Right. Right. You can't hack into their system by from that system. Yeah. You just have so, to have the will to to think exactly. creatively, you know, and to see yes. that it's worth worth that effort to mm-hmm. think creatively. Yeah, and it exactly is that. It's the it's the political will to say yes, I'm going to do this. Bureaucracies, especially the prison system, is really um, that nobody really wants to make the first step. Mm. If somebody does make the first step and it goes wrong, ooh. I don't want to lose my job. So right. nobody, it's very seldom that somebody will step forward and go, no, 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 this is a good thing. We should do this. Right. And it takes a very special person. And there's, there's not a lot in this system. And sometimes they're from the bottom because they're new mm. and they get that sort of, um, you know, not beat out of them, but you know, they, um, they get, that out of them <laughs> by the yeah. time they they climb the ladder right 
Yeah. Now, Inside Out, a prison memoir, is screening in Vancouver this month at the Heart of the City Festival. Mm-hmm. How would you like people to feel when the credits are rolling on Inside Out, a prison memoir? Or what kind of conversations, you know, would you like to overhear people having, you know, following the screening? Mm. Well, there will be a panel discussion after. And so hopefully people will stay and, in you know, um, join in the discussion. But I remember I was talking with this uh, gentleman years ago uh, when I sort of first started thinking about maybe I will write something. Mm. And he was a a warden of a jail in San Francisco. And he himself had done done a life sentence. He's a very interesting man, right? Yeah, he had- He did a life sentence and then he went on to be a warden. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The sheriff of San Francisco at that time, um, when he got, when Michael got out, um, it was, he got it sort of a, not a new trial, but he was given the option of having a new trial or getting parole right away. Mm -hmm. And so he took the option of getting out right away. And the, uh, sheriff at the time, San Francisco, um, offered him a job to help people find work when they get out. Mm -hmm. And he was quite impressed with his work. And so um, Sheriff Hennessy ended up promoting him and giving him assistant warden of one of the, uh, one of the prisons, I think it was jail number nine. And then he went on to be a warden. Now the sheriff community (laughs) We're not impressed with this. They know mm-hmm. you rise through the ranks and that's how you get to be a top person. You don't. Right. So they were quite upset. Anyways, um, he did really well and, you know, won over everybody. And I asked him, um, what would you want people to know about, you know, what would you want somebody to, to get out of a, a play about, uh, incarceration and he said as long as people understand that everybody inside is somebody's brother or somebody's mother or somebody's father or somebody's son then you've done your job right and that's hopefully what this will do is put a human face on uh incarcerated and formerly incarcerated not to relinquish them or responsibility of what they've done but to maybe uh, open up people's minds and more and relax and take away some of the myths that are that surround uh, the incarcerated. Patrick Keating, thank you for your time today. I appreciate you very much. Oh, well, thank you very much for having me. Now, Inside Out, a prison memoir screens at 6 p.m. on Wednesday, October 26th at SFU Goldcore Center for the Arts as part of the Heart of the City Festival. To learn how you can watch the film, visit patrickkeating.ca. The YVR Screen Scene Podcast is hosted and executive produced by myself, 
Sabrina Ronnie Furminger, and it's edited by Simon Furminger. Special thanks to Mariana Furminger for recording our Patreon ad, to Paul Furminger for technical support, and to Dane, not Furminger Devilay for the original music. YVR Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Find us on all the socials at YVR Screen Scene and at Sabrina Arpf on Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to podcasts for free and at our home on the web at YVRScreenScene.com. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut! Hey filmmakers, did you know that you can hire top quality, experienced and professional actors for your films? If you're producing a student film for course credits, working on a web series, a short or a feature film, you can afford to have some of the best talent in the business in your production. How, you ask? Well, UBCP Actor has an ultra-low budget program, which offers a range of options that cover everything from student films to productions with a $300,000 budget. There is a ULB program that will meet your needs, regardless of your budget. To learn more, visit ubcpactor.ca and look for ultra-low budget programs or email ulbprogram at ubcpactra.ca. Now is the time to jumpstart your dream for the screen.